This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello, and thanks for listening to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider visiting my website at josephscrimshaw.com. From there, you can sign up for my fan list, find out about upcoming shows, and look at a picture of me dressed as a squirrel. Plus, you can also buy my book, Comedy of Doom. People are saying things like, Comedy of Doom by Joseph Scrimshaw, a book that will get you laid and prevent you from dying. (laughs) And of course, Comedy of Doom? Jesus Christ! Holy fuck! You can also purchase my comedy album, Verbing the Noun. People are saying things like, Verbing the Noun made me feel strange, but also good. And, Also, I understand that most commercials rely on sex to sell things, so here are some sex noises. Oh, 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 oh my god. Okay, Okay, baby, I'm coming. All right, okay. Get off my hair! Okay, okay, okay. Hang on, hang on. Fuck, I'm coming. Ah, ah, ah! I'm sorry. Thanks again, and enjoy Obsessed. Thank you very much for coming to Obsessed, the Existential Dread episode. Uh, I have two lovely guests with me, um, and I, I've been giving a lot of thought to Existential Dread, and I actually just got back from a trip to Portland, I, I, Oregon. I experienced no Existential Dread in Portland, Oregon, but I ended up actually having a layover in the Denver airport. Uh, and it was longer than I expected, and I, I started kind of thinking about what I needed to do when I got home and how I needed to get home to get ready for this podcast. And an airport's a weird place because you see so much sort of like joy and excitement of like loved ones returning and, and finding this uh, happiness again and sometimes people going to exciting places. You feel like you should feel that more in the airport, but more you feel just like the horror of it and the impossibility of it and individuals' desire to not be around groups And I started to just like, I'm going to just listen to see if I can be inspired for this Existential Dread podcast. And then I heard a couple of actual quotes. My plane was delayed, but uh, the people on my plane who wanted to come home to Minneapolis uh, kept harassing the gate attendant. So the gate attendant made an announcement and said, you cannot board the plane because there is no plane. I wished for existential dread, and I got existential dread. <laughs> and then my iPhone was running out of juice, so I had to kind of go a little bit down away from the, the, uh, the gate and uh, plug the iPhone in, and a very angry man came kind of marching down, kind of fighting with his wife. I was like, ah, I bet I'm going to hear something good. And they got a little bit past me, and then they stopped, and the man said, there is nothing down here but Quiznos. What's the point? <laughs> another beautiful moment of existential dread and I I just I felt so much joy hearing other people's horror and it made me excited to come here and be able to do this podcast with my good friends Uh, so ladies and gentlemen I'd like to introduce my guests Mr. Jim Robinson and Mr. John Middleton Thank you guys very much for being here I'm going to start with you uh, Jim can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are Okay, um, I'm Jim Robinson, and I live here in the Twin Cities. I do two things. I'm a, a psych professor at St. Catherine University, which is the largest private women's university in the United States. Yeah. 
And then I, um, I'm also an, an improviser and a writer and um, a performer. Excellent. And uh, Jim and I have done many shows together. Jim's acted in many shows. We've done some improv together. Uh, for a couple years, I did a show called Adventures in Mating that I actually did weekly. And it was a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure story in which a sparring couple were dating, and then the audience would get to make decisions. And Jim played the waiter. And Jim did just an amazing job uh, interacting with the audience and getting their choices, and it was beautiful. Well, that, thank you. I, uh, I still have nightmares about <laughs> remembering the lines, but, <laughs> but this is improvised. There, yeah, there were a lot of lines that was very, very difficult to memorize. But it was very, an enjoyable experience. Yes, I have very many special memories of Jim, because it was a scripted show, but then when he went to the audience to try to get their decision about what should happen in the show, it, he would go off the cuff. And there was one time... So he's, he's out on his own. But I'm on stage as the writer and producer of this show, and Jim gets to do just whatever he wants. And he's talking to a woman once, and I think it's going quite well. And then suddenly Jim just says, I'm sorry I touched my penis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you, there was some dander down there or something, and you brushed something away, and you, you decided it would be best to comment on it. I, I was... I was telling John down, downstairs that um, I, I tend to say too much when I'm in front of people, or reveal too much. I, I, I have a really good filter when I'm alone. <laughs> but if there are other people around, I'll talk about, I will talk about anything. Excellent. We'll come so back I'm ready. to that. Uh, and Mr. John Middleton, let's, uh, let's meet you. Who are you? Uh, uh, well, I, I know you because I act in, in plays around town, and we've done a couple plays together. I've done some of your plays, mm -hmm. and... <laughs> there was an awkward pause because I was sipping my beer. Uh, yes, uh, you, uh, uh, you've been in many of my shows, which is lovely. But tell us a little bit more about uh, who you are. You're an actor, yes. But what else? You, you, had a, you had a different job, right? What did you do for a living? Do you not want to talk about this? Um, no, that's great. Uh, <laughs> John, is, John is a very, very talented man. He's very, very good at comedy. But he's also very good at drama because he can suddenly look very menacing. <laughs> No, I've, yeah, I've done, I've, I've done other things. <laughs> All right, well, let's just get right into the uh, existential dread. Um, I want to have like full disclosure here of like normally I kind of I talk to people and like people I know will tell me that they're interested in something and want to come talk about being obsessed with something. This is something that I came up with of like I want to talk about existential dread and I want to talk about it with these guys because. My perception of both of you is that you are very charming, very funny, very intelligent people who see the horror of the universe and you express it in fun and beautiful ways that make me happy. So I wanted to enjoy more of that and bring you on the podcast. So thank you uh, for being willing to do it. Um, John, would it be okay with you if just to give the audience a little bit of context, I read some of your posts from Facebook? <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Okay. In particular, just to give you kind of like a little bit, of, it's like a, a, the tone of John Middleton, of, of who he can be. With You can feel the angst and the beauty and the fun that he's sharing with the world. Uh, as many people know, it, it was snowing quite late in April in Minnesota, and it was incredibly disturbing. And uh, many of us had to shovel. And uh, I think after shoveling, John posted 18 to 25 posts on I was, Facebook. And I, was, I was having a hard time. In less than an hour. So uh, here are two of those posts. No, no, no. 
It's totally cool. Keep snowing. I have Netflix streaming, which means I have a ton of movies and TV shows that literally dozens of people have enjoyed ironically. <laughs> hey, did you know I lived in London once? That's why I sound so cool when I ask for a banana. <laughs> That's one post. Uh, followed by, I was just outside with the dog, and it's really sort of heartbreakingly beautiful, so what am I supposed to do with that? Then she pooped, so now I'm okay. <laughs> and then for no reason, he typed in all caps, Greg Evigan. Just the name of a character actor who isn't doing much anymore. BJ and the Bear. BJ and the Bear. Is Greg Evigan still alive? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. So that, that, that's a little sense of, uh, of who these men are. Because I'm coming from this from an intimate place of knowing you guys, and I wanted the rest of the audience to kind of understand uh, uh, who you were. So I want to start off with just kind of defining existential dread. So, Jim, what, what do you think existential dread is? What does it mean to you? Well, I think it's, it's the really hysterical awareness that time is fleeting and um, that you have to make choices in order to use your time well. And there are so many choices. If you're, I mean, if you're fortunate, there are a lot of choices. If you make the wrong choice, then you've wasted that moment and, and it's gone and it will never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Which Jim. is really funny. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious and beautiful. And uh, John, what do you think of uh, what do you think existential dread is? Well, it's, uh, uh, yeah, this is going to be hilarious. I think it's, I think it's, it's sort of that feeling um, of being betrayed by the universe because you think, you think you, you're sort of brought up to think that there's a there's a reason and that and that and that somebody cares and then you reach a certain point and you realize that no, none of that is true. Uh, you don't matter, nothing you do will matter, uh, there's no point to it, and you were sort of thinking that it would be great if there was, <laughs> and then you're faced with, with just the, the nothing, so you're naked and alone in front of an uncaring universe. I think that's pretty good. Uh, I think that really sums up a lot of it. Uh, the universe doesn't care, and yet these, these people in a bowling alley theater can applaud. <laughs> Make us feel alive. Uh, I, I, I wanted to find like specific online definitions of existential dread. And the first thing I found is that there is no definition of existential dread on Wikipedia. It just redirects to angst. <laughs> that's, just yeah. like, that's just fucking generic. Right. There's Bullshit. No, it's just a Quiznos there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's nothing but Quiznos. Well, I think that was a fine uh, definition of existential dread uh, from John. is very complete and very personal. So this might seem like a pretty obvious question, but Jim, do you have existential dread? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> John, do you have existential dread? Sure, yeah. <laughs> you say that as though you don't have a choice. Well, no. No. What? No. Well, no. No, you're right. Because, you're right, uh, sure, I mean, I, like my dog is in the same universe that I am, and my dog is fine. You know? <laughs> so you could be like that. It's only if you care that it, that is a problem, but I, but, I, but, I, but I care. So you think if you, if you struggled 
to not care, you could just go out, enjoy the snow, and poop in the yard like your dog. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great? You I don't can, care. You can do that, you know. Oh, I've done it. Okay. But, but, but it still it bothered me. <laughs> you weren't able to fully enjoy it. No, no, no. I'm always thinking about what are the neighbors thinking. See, this somebody's got to clean this up. This is the fast. Yeah, this is the fascinating thing about it to me is that that it is the uh, the combination of this sort of like ah, nothing matters. Everything is kind of bleak and pointless. But what will the neighbors say if I poop? Yeah, right. So, like, which is it? You know, it's like we're we're tortured by the universe not mattering, and also about those around us caring too much when they see us doing things that are reflecting the fact that the universe does not matter. Sure, that's part of the deal. <laughs> That's why it's dreadful. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Jim, what kind of experiences bring out a feeling or sense of existential dread for you? Um, well, I, I know every single time before I go on stage, it happened a few minutes ago, I, I fall into the, the darkest pit of despair. And I, and, I, and I honestly think, why am I doing this? And I really can't come up with any kind of legitimate answer and so I, I just go through hell, and then I, I step out onto the stage. And it's. And do you find joy when you're on stage or when you've completed doing a show? I, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. This is also one of my, my favorite quotes from you, is when Jim was going to start uh, playing the waiter in Adventures in Maiden. We hadn't worked together before, and he said, I'm sorry, but I, I have to tell you something. I, I, I feel horrible dread right before I step on stage. And I said, that's fine. I mean, a lot of people I know kind of feel like they have to go to the bathroom right before they go on stage. And then Jim said, oh, that too. <laughs> well, the thing is, um, I mean, I know we live in a godless universe. So I, I accept that. But, <laughs> but every night, and I, this is true, I suppose. I've, I'm not, I haven't lied yet. But, <laughs> but every time before I go on stage, I also I pray to something. And I always say, please, God, remind me why I do this. And I ha and my it's almost like a really? an OCD kind of thing. Yeah, I have to say that. And then I think that's that seems like an easy enough prayer to be answered if there is someone out there and just from you know remind me why. And do you do you feel like you've ever been answered in any way? The second I step on stage, it, it, I don't even think about it. It falls away. So okay. yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, there, when it when somebody like if I have, if I have a great night, you know, if the, if the show goes well and I forget myself and. You know, I know I get to go home and watch TV afterwards. And, <laughs> and there's food. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. And I don't have to go. And it, particularly if it's on a, a night that I don't have to teach the next morning, everything is good. See, I'm fascinated by this because I think there is a part of us that, that thinks it is better to do something rather than nothing. So even though the approach to doing it is frightening, sometimes the act of doing it is frightening, the moments after we have done it are very joyful where I feel like, I have done something. So now I can just eat frozen pizza and watch Breaking Bad, and I can do it with conviction because I have done something. Uh, so, John, uh, same question for you. Uh, in what moments do you feel existential dread? Uh, Walgreens. <laughs> uh, Super America. Uh, anytime, I'm, uh, anytime I'm in you know, crowds, milling, milling crowds, driving a lot, um, walking the dog, um, Anything, anything like this, uh, uh, you know, night. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel it constantly. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, a fair amount. 
<laughs> and what, what mitigates it for, for you? What, in what moments is it a little bit better? Or am I assuming too much? <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I like drinking. Uh, but, I, but also, I guess, I mean, I, I do have, you know, I do, I act in place, which is not a, a, a smart thing to do or a, a healthy thing to do. But, I, but it, it gives you all of that terror that the world has. You, 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 you can parcel that up and, and, and take it in little tiny amounts by doing plays where you get to sort of pretend something, but it's a very cons con, uh, 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 constrained sort of world with rule, definite rules. And you're going to be okay, right? But, you could, but it's still like a roller coaster. Where you, you're terrified to do it, but then you do it and you sort of deal with all of those things of love and hate and b trying to become king. And, and, but, that, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it's manageable. <laughs> so I do that. So you, so you like theater because, in a way, it, it feels like walking through a manageable piece of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I've seen you take joy in rehearsal. Like, I, I've seen you come to rehearsals and be very upset with the world uh, and then take joy in, in, in watching a part of the rehearsal that you're not even in and just watching someone else's performance. So do you feel like you can enjoy watching other people walk through the horror of life? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we do it, you know, to sort of for ourselves, but then also for people to come in and watch it and sort of be able to experience it without actually putting themselves in danger. Cool. Am I holding this right? Uh, you have to hold it just a little bit lower because it is, it is creeping like, up your like face and you're like trying to hide behind your microphone. No, no, yes. I'm okay. Yeah. Oh, so there. yeah, just do it like the stand-up com comedians do and just put it right under your chin and, and you should be fine. Yeah, just wear it like a little goatee. <laughs> Does it look okay? It looks beautiful. Okay, okay. It looks absolutely beautiful. Um... Do you guys feel like accepting that the universe is absurd makes you care more about what you're doing, Jim? Yes. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, if if nothing matters, and I'm not quite sure about that, but if nothing does matter, then you have to make things matter. I mean, I I really I'm I'm not exaggerating, but I mean, I'll go to a restaurant and I will I will think about what it means that I'm going to order this as opposed to that. And what does that say about me? And you know, if I order the same thing three days in a row, is that the right thing to do, or am I, you know, am I just being a habitual person who's like a cog in a wheel, or you know, just going through life without thinking? You know, yeah, I, I worry. <laughs> and and John, uh, how about for you? Yeah, that, that yeah yeah you bet. And and and, <laughs> and because and because there's nothing you 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 once you say there's nothing that's going to sort of take care of things or make everything all right at some point in the future, you'd have to sort of be kind now. Because this, you know, because why not? So you just have to be, try to be kind in the place where you are now. Because when, uh, when, uh, when else were you going to do it? What are you, what, you know? Well, that's an excellent segue to my next question. <laughs> so if there is an afterlife, if there, what would you want it to be? Jim, what, what would, if you got to decide what afterlife is, what would it be for you? That's a great question. Um, I, I hope it's like a, a really good train or something, you know, where, <laughs> where you're all, always just about to get somewhere and, you know, you don't have to stay anywhere that you're passing by. Because I do love that. I love looking out at places and thinking, this is so great, and I don't have to set down roots here, and, 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 and I don't have to get into you know, problematic relationships, and I don't have to make money, and I can just, I can appreciate it. So I imagine that, that heaven, if it exists, is, I hope it's like that, and I also hope that the people that, that, I've, that, I've, that I've lost, that are gone, will come back 
but maybe there'll be like a train too where we'll have like passing encounters and so we'll appreciate each other without having to get dragged into each other's lives anymore. <laughs> that I, is, I have so many friends. <laughs> that, that is like, that's a, like a little children's show that you could make with a little train. God's PBS's train. Afterlife train <laughs> where you never have to commit to your family or friends. It could be called an Afterlife special. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, John, for you, what would your perfect afterlife be? <clears throat> uh, the only the only thing that seems oh okay okay so what it should be what it should be is whatever you is uh, what what uh, what you should get you can edit right you can edit you've yeah. got editing software you can edit yeah so what it should be is it should be whatever you think it should be. So that if you believe in you know heaven with, with streets paved with gold and angels with wings and everything, you should that's what you should get. And if you know you've been just an awful person and that you deserve b terrible things, that you should get that. Okay. Would you want Would you want the stereotypical heaven? No. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be fun for like half an hour. That's always been my thought. Like no conflict drives me nuts. Yeah. I mean, I need what are you going to do? Some tension. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. like a lot of movies. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Netflix. A lot of Netflix. <laughs> Floating on those clouds. Or just really gossipy angels. <laughs> just Something. talk going on about other oh. people. The thing that I'm fascinated about and want in Afterlife is statistics. I don't know why this entered my, my head as a kid. Uh, it entered my head when I was quite young that that is what I would get in heaven because I think I misunderstood something. Uh, but I thought that I would be like given a score sheet like when completed a video game. Like, these are the number of times you've said fuck. These are the number of times I've, you've said, I love you. <laughs> There's a discrepancy. <laughs> the thing that I don't get about that notion of heaven, because I, I went to a Baptist school when I was in elementary school, and, and it, was, it was very literal. And, you know, why would you want to go, why would you want to be someplace where you know that people that you care about aren't going to be because they messed up? I mean, how, how enjoyable, how can you enjoy your, your afterlife knowing that people you care about are burning in hell? I mean... It seems like a really perverse no, proposition I, to me. I agree with that. Yeah, I'd much rather just pass them briefly on the train and say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. "Sorry, I'm going to the bar car. <laughs> I would love to hug you, Grandma, but nope." <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people sent me an article about Tylenol, about how there was a, a recent study that they think that Tylenol uh, is. Well, that the same part of your brain that, that communicates about physical pain might also be communicating about these feelings of angst or dread. So they're wondering if Tylenol has properties that, like, for example, Jim, you could pop a Tylenol like a half an hour before a show and you wouldn't feel as much dread. So I read this, this study and I was fascinated by the way that they, they examined the, these uh, effects of Tylenol, which was that they made people write about horrible, upsetting things like what happens to your body after you die. And then to, to measure the effect, now that they've had you experience dread, they ask you about sort of societal norms. And what they asked was, this woman has been arrested for prostitution. How much should she be fined? Because the studies showed that when people are feeling dread, that they want to kind of cling to norms and they want to like reestablish control by levying higher fines and kind of retreating to what they perceive to be normal, which is if somebody has done something wrong, they should be punished as much as possible. 
So I read all that and I turned it into a little game that we uh. can play. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, if you are willing and able, I would like you, I'm going to give you something disturbing to talk about for a little while. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you a punitive question and see how you respond. Are you ready? I hope so. Okay. Could you talk for 30 seconds about what it's like to forget a scripted line on stage? It's it's like falling it's like falling and you don't know if you'll ever hit the ground but you're going faster and faster toward the ground and you're letting everybody down and you can see in their faces that they're all staring at you and you can feel your heart constricting and your bowels um, <laughs> releasing and and you you you, you know it's for me, when that happens, I think, oh, God, again, again. <laughs> Why again? What's wrong with you? Okay, and now I'm going to ask you a, a societal question. Is 16 years old too young to allow people to drive? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it works. <laughs> All right, uh, John, could you describe what it would feel like if winter never ended? <sighs> Well, <laughs> the the problem. So nothing changes; it just stays the same all the yeah, time. Yeah, winter never ends. Oh, that's the because it's the change. The change makes things worthwhile. It's uh, you know, winter, there's nothing wrong with winter if you can respond in a proper way. But then at some point it becomes spring and then summer. Uh, so if it never, if it's just the same all the time, you would have to like start making up stuff to sort of um, you know. So you'd have to make up other holidays or some sort of eating thing that you could do to just cope with it because you need to be able to mark time if it's just the same all the time like the light is the same does the sun do you get longer days or anything no every day is exactly oh, God, the same it would just be that would be, oh um well then you would need you would need like lamps you would need special lamps <laughs> and there would be like places you could go that would have you know, like different sounds, because the sound, the bird, you need different birds, and oh, <laughs> because they, oh, things have to change. Otherwise, we, oh, because then all of a sudden you're 48 and you're doing a podcast <laughs> and you don't know how that happened. Okay, and should teachers' salaries be higher? Yes, yes, they should. See, it makes me kinder. That's, really, that's the part you don't remember is from earlier is that if I'm like this, it makes me want to be nicer to people. So yes, teacher salary should be quite a bit higher. What? Excellent. Can, can I say something about that endless winter? Yeah. That's like San Diego. You've been to San Diego? It never changes. Yeah. It's horrible. I agree <laughs> with you. That's all I had to say about that. Well, this is interesting to me, though, because you your, your ideal heaven is something that has the illusion of forward movement while actually never changing. Yeah, I'm, I am so habitual, it's un unbelievable. Yeah, I do the same thing over and over, but I, I like to think things are changing. <laughs> so you would kind of like it if it was always winter, but you had like a different sort of image in your windows so you think it's different, but you know it's not. I would love it if it was, if it was always winter. I love the winter, I like the dark and the cold. <laughs> Do you listen to The Cure? <laughs> no, I, I listen to Joni Mitchell and Amy Lou Harris. Thank Old you. Old school Cure. Yeah. Basically. 
All right. Uh, so, Jim, uh, could you describe being forced to watch the television show Torchwood for three days straight? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, if I had to watch Torchwood for three days straight, I, I would, first of all, I'd have to watch it with my friend Dennis, and I'd have to ask him every three seconds, who's that? <laughs> what did he do? Why are they upset? What are they running from? Did, did something happen? Was I asleep when this happened? Is it, w why is it called Torchwood? <laughs> if it's in England, why does he sound like he's from the United States? Or is he from the United States? I don't know. It would be, it would be a constant series of questions that would make him more and more angry with me. So by the time the third day came around, um, we wouldn't be speaking. And, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. So the torture of watching a show that you do not enjoy would be what you do to the people around you, not your own personal experience of the show. No, because I could, I could daydream if I were, you know, <laughs> if I, if I myself. What would you, would you, about Joni Mitchell? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I would go through the albums and I'd you know, see if I can remember all the songs in order and what year they came out. I could, and who played bass and who played drums, and yeah. <laughs> and then I, then I, I sometimes will think, like, I see if I can be a, like a, one of those concordances and I can say now, if she has this word on her album, does Emmylou Harris have that same word? And I try to see if there's any overlap. And Whoa. Yeah. You've given this some deep thought. Yeah, I hate Torchwood. I hate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Okay, so now here's your following follow-up question. Is torrenting British television shows a serious crime? Is what? The, the, the torrenting? Do you know what torrenting means? No. Is it from Torchwood? <laughs> Is stealing a British television show from the internet without paying for it in any way, is that a serious crime? No, it's a waste of time. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, John Middleson, describe not being allowed to leave a party even though you're ready to go. <laughs> well, it's... Oh, man, that's the... It's very awful because you've said you've seen, like said, oh hey it's, we should get together and have coffee you, you know you've done that you've right. done all of that and then you can't walk out the door right so then you have to oh have another um, some pretzels or and <laughs> and you have to you have to keep moving because you've already said goodbye to people right so you can't just, but you want to kiss keep near the door because that's the way out right. oh it's just the oh that would be that would be very bad that would be very very bad. Have, so is ha, have there been experiences where you are ready to go from a party and you cannot leave? And how did that how did that what how did you cope with that? Badly. <laughs> what did you do? Did you uh did you think of connecting words in, in famous musicians? <laughs> no, I wish I had. I wish I'd had that tip. So you don't have mental defenses? Like clearly Jim has his mental defense. My mental prepared. defense in that kind of situation in that kind of situation, my mental defense is to is to shut everything down. So you would you like try to slow your heartbeat and appear to be dead? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it, it's more like um, just entering a sort of uh, state. What kind of state for you? Like a really quiet one, where you know you just sort of shut everything down. You just sort of stare at something, so it looks like you're not an insane person, and then you pretend like you don't know that there's anything else in the world. And then what happens when somebody tries to talk to you? Well, you got to talk to them. <laughs> But hope you know if you do it right, the people will leave you alone. 
So you enter a, a sort of frightening, detached from reality state. There's also a physical difference in that uh, John has basically given his own chair a lap dance throughout, <laughs> throughout this question. Well, it's about dread. Which is it's full of dread. It's, it's full great. Of okay, so John, your question is, should murder be legal? Oh, it already is. It already is. Under certain circumstances, murder is legal. We think that it's a big deal, but you know, but we do it. Our, 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 our soldiers do it all the time. People do it all the time. Okay, so let me ask you guys both a question. So I, you've alluded toward maybe not having like super traditional religious beliefs. So Jim, what what do you? Somebody just shouted no. <laughs> Too bad. So what what do you think? Do you think there's just nothing? No, I do think that there 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 has to be something. I mean, we're not enough. You know. Okay, and John, what about you? Nothing, nothing. But I think it's but I think it is something because but it's but it's the same as nothing. <laughs> You're really hedging your bets there. What does that mean? Well, that that the it seems what makes sense to me. The only thing that makes sense to me is that the universe itself is its thing that we we carry in us uh, this sort of um, spiritual desire. So that is something. The fact that we have this, these longings for something greater than ourselves makes that a real that is a real thing that we carry it but to then and that the universe itself is that thing it's it's sort of like the the the, the brain and the mind but the, but then but the, and then the universe is the same thing where the universe the, there's the physical universe but you put it all together and that is the mind of god which does, so that's what i mean by it's it's everything but that's also nothing because what do you do with that you don't do anything with that that's just how it is that was that was like a speech from classic Star Trek. That was <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. Okay, so I I invited you guys on this podcast because I know you both like think about these things and are willing to talk about them, and a lot of people aren't willing to talk about them. Uh, in and I find joy in both of you guys working with you and knowing you because you have great senses of humor. And even though I know, like, oh man. Jim and John both just think the world is a piece of shit and face the horror of reality. I can't wait to hang out with them and spend time with them. You guys both give me like great joy as human beings. So what is something that gives you joy, Jim, as you even though you're carrying in, in your mind thinking about all of these thoughts about what does it all mean, where is it headed? What gives you joy despite that? Oh yeah, I mean a lot, a lot of things. Um, music, absolutely. I mean, not just not just you know going through the concordance in my head. Is that what it's called? The concordance? Is that what? It, sure. Was that thing? Called? Were you all in words? cacophony? Something. Anyway, um, yeah, music does. I know that I am. I'm happiest. This isn't funny at all, but I'm happiest when I'm in a house. Um, like if I go home to my mom's house and everybody's in the same house sleeping at night. I mean, I then it's every, then everything's great. And I know where people are. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I don't have to worry about them. And well, that's, that's I love lovely. that. That's great. So. And John, what gives you joy? Uh, well, I, I, like, I like appropriateness. Uh, <laughs> that, that, makes me, that makes me happy. So, for example, when, it's, when, when the weather is a certain way and you pair that with the right food and the right thing to drink, and you know, that, that's... And you put all that together, and it's all exactly right. That's great. Excellent. Uh, so we are going to wrap up with some final questions. Uh, are you guys ready? <laughs> yep. All right. Jim, if you could be reincarnated as an animal, what animal would you want to be reincarnated as? A tortoise. <laughs> Why? Well, they live a long time, and they don't have to do very much. And 
<laughs> and there, and I think you know, it'd be great to be able to make that sound and <laughs> and, they, and they're you know they don't have to look nice or anything they're just and and people respect them i think and they're not you know i, I don't know that I, I guess that they're wanted for their shells but if i were in a like if i were a tortoise in a petting zoo that would be okay are there tortoises in petting zoos yeah do do people pet shells they well they put their kids in then they they, they they sit on the tortoise and the tortoise looks irritated and kind of wanders yeah all right yeah Excellent. Uh, John, if someone made a statue of you after you died, what pose would you want your statue to be in? Um, I guess uh, something real athletic. <laughs> <laughs> like catching, catching something. You Throw, like, throwing it. Throwing something, throwing something big. So you would like to be both catching something and throwing something big? No, no, no just, just throwing something big. You would want I to changed be... my mind. Okay. Would the big thing still be attached to you as a, as a statue? That would be more dynamic. Or would the thing have left your hand? No, no. It's right at that point. It's the, it's the point where you, right where you draw back before you go forward. That's the most dynamic <laughs> point. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I would want. Excellent. Uh, Jim, if you were forced to join a circus and develop a clown character, what would your clown character's name be? Wistful. <laughs> uh, John, if you could travel back in time and punch anyone in the balls, who would you punch? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> I, oh, wow. I would like to, there's so many to choose from. I would like to punch... <laughs> John is out of his chairs on his knees. <laughs> Am I? I would like I would like to punch. You know who was a son of a bitch was that Stalin. I would I would punch Stalin. Excellent. Good choice. Jim, what is happiness? This is the worst question for the Existential Dread episode. Um, happiness is, is bubble tea, I think. <laughs> I love bubble tea. Have you had it? Have you it had, yeah. Have you bubble tea? Yeah. It's, the, the, it's a tea that wants it. you to die because you <laughs> suck in the straw and the bubble comes into your mouth and you choke. I mean, that's a, it's a facile answer, but you know... When it's, carbon, <laughs> carbonated, it's carbonated tea? No, no. It's tea that has these... They're called tapioca pearls, and they're little round balls of tapioca and you get a, you get a, a thick <laughs> so they're straw. gelatinous they're yes. sort of, and, and you, you suck them up through and it's it's totally satisfying to be able to get all the pearls out of the bottom of the tea and then when you, you they don't have any flavor they take on the flavor of the tea itself and then you chew them and it's it's simple and it's it, it, um, and a mistake it's, it's like somebody made a mistake it, I, it, maybe it started as a mistake but it's but the thing I like about it is that it's like any kind of project that you can actually complete. I mean, you, 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 got, you can get all of the, all the bubbles and you can eat them all and then when you know when you're done. And I like the way it tastes and it's fun and it's, it's a good sensation. You should try it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to totally gotta, try I'm gonna that. i Facebook friend you and maybe we'll go get bubble you tea. Should totally, you should Facebook friend me and I'm going to try bubble tea. Okay. okay. There's, there's, yeah, one not far from where we live. Oh, we okay. Live in, we live in mutual neighborhoods. I've been to that tea yeah. shop. They said that tea shop? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll yeah, meet, yeah. I'll I like meet, it there. I'll meet you there. Okay. Good. I'm I think never John late. is just putting off answering the question, but <laughs> I love that. That's going to be my 
favorite answer to what is happiness? Knowing that I have eaten all the balls. <laughs> They're a finite number, and I have masticated all of them. All right, John, what is happiness? Well, I... I, I I guess happy. I, I you know, honestly, I think happiness is sort of a miracle because we're just awful. We're just we're all <laughs> of us. We're just awful, and we're awful to each other every day, all day long, all over the place. And yet, people still they laugh, they d sing songs, they dance, and they do stuff. And so, I mean, it's probably some sort of cruel cosmic joke, but it's still <laughs> it's still it's kind of a miracle that we do that, even in the most terrible circumstances. That's beautiful. Thank you guys very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed.